So just do a quick introduction so that everybody knows who you are, please, Neil. Hi, well, I, I'm Neil E. Roberts. Uh, I am the founding member of Sussex EVs. Uh, I also was involved in launching the EV Group's Nexus uh, with Beardy Beardface, who some of you may know. Ah, yes. Good old John. Excellent. So we are talking today about the MG ZX EV and... Uh, you obviously are a an owner of one of these. How long have you had yours? Uh, we picked it up at the end of November 2019. So we've, we're just approaching our first year. And how many miles have you done since you got it? Well, we were on track to doing about 15,000 in this first year, uh, but mm -hmm. actually we're only on eight and a half. Yeah, that's kind of what's happened with mine uh, on the lease. I'm uh, the lease on the... So I'm tracked to do 12,000 a year, so I should be up about 24,000 because I'm heading up to two years and I'm only on 18,000. So yay for the lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does make a big difference. It certainly does. Uh, now, in terms of mileage you've done, what's the longest journey you've actually done in the uh, in the MG? I would say at a push, uh, well, two days after we picked up the MG, we drove it up to, up to uh, Slowett near Huddersfield. Uh, and that was about 235 miles. Uh, about two weeks after that, we drove it down to Dorset, which was, I believe, 250 miles. So that that is probably the longest journey we we've done. Uh, that journey required only only a single stop. So our first stop was at 142 miles. Uh, we we stopped at a restaurant before our mains had even come out. We were back up to 80 percent. And by the time we finished, we were up to 95%, which was more than adequate to get us the rest of the journey. So uh, that was an Instavolt, um, and that was pretty much maxed out at, at 50 kilowatts. But it, it was it was good. It was very good. Now, prior to this, well, I mean, you still got it, but your main, your first EV was a, uh, a Leaf, wasn't it? So what, I mean, other than the obvious range difference, how are you finding the difference between the driving the Leaf and driving the MG? Yeah, um, I, I've always been a big fan of the Leaf. Our, our Leaf is a is a twenty fifteen twenty four kilowatt hour, um, and, and it was always a lovely, lovely car to do road trips. Um, so, what are the key differences? What are the key differences? Yeah, so um, what are the key differences between the the Leaf and the MG? The the MG and the Leaf. Both feel equally well as well made. Uh, they both feel very solid. Uh, seats are very comfortable. The fit and finish is, is very very good. Uh, one that's one thing I was very surprised about with the MG. Actually, it is it is much better made than you would expect it to be for the price. Uh, it does have some software quirks, which uh, MG are actually doing a very good job of of slowly correcting over time. Uh, there's this in the MG community, is this thing known as bong gate, where almost anything you do in the MG, it makes a bong noise, and it, <laughs> it is, it's very unpleasant after a while. But the, the latest software update does fix that, so so, so that's good. Uh, charging speed, I would say, on the MG is is generally better than the Leaf. The Leaf would consistently get somewhere in the region of thirty six to forty kilowatts. Uh, I have seen uh, just over 50 with the MG. Um, it 
does seem to make a difference how how close to to zero percent you get. If you get down to about five percent, you will get absolutely uh, the the fastest speeds. If you're anywhere beneath twenty percent, you'll quite comfortably get fifty kilowatts on on any post. But if you're anything over twenty percent, it will start off lower than that, and it it won't speed up beyond that. So, so, so that's that's something that you just need to be be conscious of. As a as a comfortable long distance driver, I love MG Pilot. Uh, MG Pilot is is the, um, the the driver assist system to um, it like Tesla Autopilot or ProPilot in in the Leaf. It's it's very very similar to ProPilot. Uh, works very well. All in all, I think it's a great package. If we go back to the charging for a second, the I believe that the maximum rate of charge on the uh, on ZS is 76 kilowatts. Now, you said you've got around 50. Have you tried one of the higher power chargers that, that, that delivers more than 50 kilowatts? Uh, well, one of the Instavolts I tried was a, a, a double double post 125, I think, I think they're rated right. at. Um, and I got 50 there. I have tried it on a... Oh, what are they called? The uh, the Milton Keynes Hub. There's there's four of them. What the Ionities? Ionities, that's it. Um, so the Ionities are rated at 150, and I we didn't see anything more than 50 on those. Uh, some people have seen 70, but not for a long, not for a prolonged period. So so you might peak at 70, and then it will it will drift back down to 50 in fairly short order yeah i think the charge curve is um is kind of it's very stepped it doesn't stay at the high speeds for too long it just tend to step down fairly quickly i believe but then saying that within within half an hour you're easily back up to 80 percent anyway so if if you if you've done if you've done say 120 miles you've been in the car for for over two hours having a half hour break actually is is very very welcome oh absolutely i can totally imagine that um now according to the ev database the official range on the uh, mg is about 135 miles so what sort of ranges are you getting okay well the first stop on our way to dorset which was uh, end of november so it it was fairly inclement weather uh we got 142 Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, during the summer we've been pretty much on lockdown, so it's, it's been difficult to get some actual actual ranges out of it. But based on the efficiency ratings I've been getting, I definitely believe that you could get 180 at a push. If if you oh. were if you were driving very very carefully, I think you could get 180 based purely on the uh, on the efficiency figures. So it's 44.5 kilowatt hours usable. Mm. I do have a calculator here on this machine. Is, there any other is it 44 and a half or is it 42 and a half? Uh, 44 and a half. So 3.9 times 44.5. That's 173. So we've frequently seen more than 3.9 mm-hmm. uh, during the summer. So I think the highest I've seen 
is somewhere in the region of 4.2 miles per kilowatt hour. So that would be 186. So those, if if you drive sensibly, uh, like driving Miss Daisy, mm-hmm. then I think you can you can in in decent weather get 180. Uh, if oh. you drive, if you're just driving around town, I reckon you'll probably be able to get more than that. That's uh, that's a very good range for the type of money that we're talking about, which brings me quite nicely on to my next topic, which is what was the actual price on the uh, MG when you bought it? Uh, mine was uh, number twenty-one in the UK, so it was it was right at the beginning when when they were really pushing the incentives for it. So the price we paid was twenty-three thousand five hundred. Um. We park exchanged a uh, an old petrol focus, so we, we got about three and a half thousand for that, um, we, which meant we had a, a a twenty grand down payment, which which I did as a personal loan rather than PCP. Uh, were MG were given an additional discount over and above the plug-in car grants at that point, weren't they? That's right. Yes. So they were also providing three and a half thousand. So. So let me just just think about. It. I think the after the plug-in car grants, and this was a year ago, so I'm trying to trying to remember exactly what all the figures were. Uh, it was somewhere in the region of twenty six thousand after the plug-in car grants, but before the MG incentive. Right. So the MG incentive brought it down to twenty three five hundred. But then saying that, um, the price these days doesn't seem to be changed from that very much so uh, it looks like they're they're either they've either reduced the the actual recommended retail price on on the car or they're continuing the contribution ah right okay because i believe the uh three and a half thousand was to it was initially to the first one thousand purchases wasn't it that's right yes then uh when when it hit one thousand they extended it to two (laughs) thousand Uh, and I think they just carried on with that, <laughs> and it's it, it's a price point which makes it a very competitive car. And because of that, they've managed to sell over three and a half thousand, I think, in the last year. So, as far as MG is concerned, they're onto a winner with that because it it is a popular car. And did I not read recently that the last shipload of MGs that came from china something like 75 percent of them were the ev version yes yeah now that that is very exciting uh and you see that reflected in the the general uk car sales figures uh, diesel and petrol cars since lockdown well, well, well let, let's just say for this year um have fallen off a cliff but ev sales uh pure ev sales have have gone up massively uh, and that's reflected in in lots of areas, and that that certainly is reflected in in the MG sales. And what I find interesting about that, uh, which sort of brings me on to my next question, is that we now have a, a a much bigger market in terms of the number of vehicles that are available. It it wasn't quite as big a year ago when you went for the MG, but there were certainly quite a few out there that you could have chosen. So. Was price one of the things that drew you specifically to the MG, or was there something else? Because I know you really like the Leaf, so there was always the possibility of going for 
another leaf. So why the MG? Uh, yeah, the the thinking process behind behind this. So uh, this is as as with everything, it's it can be quite a long story if you mm-hmm. if you go down the rabbit hole. Uh, but one of the reasons we rejected the idea of getting another leaf fairly early on is because we do quite long road trips on occasion and Mm -hmm. we weren't comfortable with the idea of not having battery cooling. Uh, If we were doing a drive up to the highlands of Scotland, which we've done before from Sussex, um, and we probably would again, we would, the chances chances of us um, hitting rapid gate would be would be moderately high mm-hmm. so we didn't really want to take that risk although the leaf itself as a package is a really really lovely car it's very very comfortable very well made and the equipment levels are good uh the only other real contender against the mg was a second-hand ionic uh, because yeah. the ionic is very efficient uh is it the gen one has got very good charging speeds uh, it's a smaller battery, but it charges quicker than the MG, and it's it is capable, if driven sensibly, of doing 125 miles. So that does put it in very much in direct com- competition with the MG. But the MG does have uh, some big advantages over the Ionic. Uh, one of them being the the MG Pilot is generally quite a bit better than than what is on the Gen 1 Ionic. Uh, it also has the panoramic sunroof, which is wonderful. And it also has a, a rather cavernous boot. Um, and we, we've got sitting in our conservatory at the moment uh, an absolutely enormous gazebo, uh, which, was, which is the club gazebo. And I'm not absolutely certain it would fit in the Ionic, but it fits in the MG. <laughs> So yeah, there's, there's, lots, there's lots of reasons. And as I say, it's a rabbit hole. But um, there were lots of things about the package of the MG that I liked. I, I, I have to laugh because whenever you mention the, the gazebo, I always have the image from fully charged with you sat out there in the rain by yourself <laughs> under the gazebo. <laughs> uh, yeah, and yeah, that was probably one of the most popular photos of fully charged life. <laughs> just me sat out in the rain on my own and, but, you know, uh, sometimes you've got to take one for the team and well that's you, right but the, to... <laughs> the, the fact that that's one of the most popular pictures says a lot about uh, human nature doesn't it really <laughs> <laughs> right back to the was... MG what, mm-hmm. what is there about the MG that you don't like or you would change what flaws or faults or issues have you come across it would be nice if it consistently charged faster. Uh, that that is definitely true. Uh, although on our road trips, it really has not been a problem. Uh, what else would I change? Um, some of the some of the software quirks. Uh, Android Auto can be a bit finickety. I don't know if that's specifically an Android Auto thing or the way MG have implemented it. it, mm-hmm. it it's, that's debatable. But I did have tremendous trouble getting it to work with a, a Huawei phone. Uh, I'm using a Samsung now, and it, it works a lot better, but you still have to unplug it a couple of times for it to recognize it. So that, that's something that, that could be improved. Uh, Bongate. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't had the software update. We're having that in, in a couple of weeks' time. 
so R1 still bongs like a madman whenever you uh, whenever you do anything. So, um, but as I say, MG have fixed that one, but just, we just haven't had it applied yet. Is there much I would change? The, the, the charging socket flap is slightly awkward, but you get used to it very quickly. It could do with a light in the charging, mm -hmm. uh, behind the charging flap. That, that's one thing. Uh, but all in all, it's a very comfortable car, and I'm very happy with it. Performance-wise, it, it, it's astonishingly good for the money. Have you had any technical issues with it? I have had a technical issue. It seems that it was... It may have been because it was one of the very, very early cars. Um, and I certainly haven't seen... In the NG forums, as I've not seen this problem presenting for anyone else. Uh, but the issue I had was the solenoid on the charging unit failed, which meant it just it just wouldn't connect to it to any charges. It wouldn't connect to any of my charges at home. It wouldn't connect to a rapid charger. It, it, it just stopped um, mm. marrying to the to the charger, which 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 is a bit awkward for a, an electric car if you can't actually charge it. Um, and it, it, it was a fairly simple fix. Basically, they just changed this one circuit board, and, and then it, then it was it was all working again. That really is the only problem I've seen. Um, so sorry, I, go on. Yeah, oh, I was just going to say actually, I, I think that that problem has been on and off since I got the car, but it was manifesting in slightly different ways. So there was a time when I was absolutely certain that the issue. I was having with charging was related to the the earth in the house and it may have been but now that this particular part failed I'm starting to think maybe it was all related to that from the from the get-go because there aren't many people reporting the same issues but anyway MG did a very good job of repairing it so all in all I was very happy with the service uh, presumably that's all under warranty oh yes yeah it's got an eight-year warranty so um really have have no concerns about anything like that flipping that on its head we've talked about the you know the things you might change what um what particular feature or function do you have or exists on the vehicle that you like that you didn't expect or that you didn't think you'd like Ooh. oh oh no, that, that's a, that's actually quite a difficult question because I, <laughs> I i swatted up on everything it had before before i got it and so i was quite familiar with with its equipment level I really like MG Pilot. Mm -hmm. uh, go, going on, on long motorway journeys, it just makes it a doddle. Uh, and, and I'm sure that people with uh, Gen 2 Leafs would say the same. Uh, people with, with, with Teslas uh, would, would say the same, but to a higher level, obviously. Um, the MG Pilot, I think, for what it is, is, is a very, very 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 good tool it, it does massively simplify the, the whole process of of driving long distances on motorways it, it removes that elements of fatigue so is that specifically um adaptive cruise control with lane keep assist so it keeps a set speed from the vehicle in front and it stays within the the lane is it that or is it sort of more than that it that pretty much is it yeah. um if you were to yeah, yeah, that, that that is that is pretty much exactly what it is, but it does function very very well. 
uh, it, it does the job very well. So someone told me, uh, and I've not experienced this myself, but the, the Gem 1 Ionic kind of bounces between the lines, mm. apparently. It, 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 if you use lane keep assist on the Ionic, it, it, it doesn't keep it entirely central. There, you may get some comments on this podcast saying, uh, no, that's not true at all. But that's just what someone told me. Uh, the MG does a very, very good job of keeping it in between the lines in a in a consistent position. Uh, also, the uh, the distance from the car in front it's 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 quite smooth unless unless the person in front is braking very very hard, in which case it can it can brake uncomfortably hard. If it's just normal adjustments in speed on a motorway, it's very, very smooth. Uh, and does that work through the onboard cameras, or is there lidar, or how does it work out the, you know, where the white lines are? Um, it it does white line detection using the the camera, and it's the same camera which is used for for a whole bunch of different functions. So it's used for the uh, auto headlights. Uh, it's used for white line detection. It's used for. Um, pedestrian emergency braking it's used mm-hmm. for things like that uh the lidar i believe is is it does have a lidar but it that's used for uh distance just for the um adaptive cruise what's the uh the sat nav like is that uh sort of an acceptable one or is it a bit clunky or what to be honest, I barely used it uh, because <laughs> because of because of Android Auto, uh, we tend to always use Google as our yeah. as our mapping tool. Uh, I have used it occasionally, and graphically, it's very good. Um, it does seem to have uh, a good database of of charges. On the whole, it what I would say it is significantly significantly better than the Leaf one. So anyone who's experienced Belief uh, sat nav, either Gen One or Gen Two. The MG sat nav is significantly better. Uh, there are going to be other cars out there which have a better, more fully equipped sat nav. Uh, it doesn't have live data, which um, you wouldn't really expect for the price. Um, but it, it's it's a very very usable sat nav. Uh, I personally just prefer using the the ones which come with Android also. Yeah, pretty much the same. I'm uh, Apple CarPlay and I use Waze or Google Maps, depending on uh, what I'm specifically looking for. But, uh, you know, I like Waze, but it's just a little bit too talkative. (laughs) It's a bit too chatty for me. I like like Google because it doesn't talk much. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I totally agree. Um, now, the MG, so it's CCS um, charging, isn't it? It is, yes. Have you had any issues with any charges? Because I know if you've listened to our discussion with um, Dr. Ewan McTurk, he said one of the reasons he prefers the CHAdeMO protocol over CCS is because CCS is very much, it's a lot flakier in terms of the way that different uh, manufacturers can apply it. And that's why you end up with a number of issues like the iPACE um, in some of the earlier versions, not accepting the CCS on a lot of the rapid chargers. Uh, I think he said that, you know, Chadamo is a finished product, whereas CCS is a recipe 
and a bunch of ingredients, but not necessarily a recipe to put them together. So have you had any issues with the MG on CCS? On the whole, no. The only issues I've had have been specifically uh, ecotricity on motorway services. Um, and I, I would say that's probably a fairly common complaint with with lots of people, uh, with, with any CCS car. Um, what, I, what I would say about the difference between CCS and Chadamo, um, have, having used both quite a lot now, Chadamo feels more solidly put together. It, it, it has a reassuring clunk when you attach it. it <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of like the, the Betamax versus VHS paradigm. Yes. Uh, VHS was more popular, possibly because it was because it was cheaper to manufacture. Uh, but Betamax was mechanically far superior, and and I would say that that's probably true with with Chadamo versus CCS. We never really had any issues at all with Chadamo with the Leaf, uh, and as I say, it was solidly put together. You could almost always rely on it. Ninety nine percent of the time, you could rely on it. With CCS, it it doesn't have that reassuring click when you when you attach it. It always feels, and and it, this is really just a, a personal opinion. It, it always feels slightly half thought out. It, it's not quite a, a, a fully thought out product, if if you know what I mean. It just mm. it just doesn't feel quite quite as as well as well designed. But it's everywhere. Yeah. Uh, well, I say everywhere, <laughs> not necessarily motorway services, but it, it, it's it's in a lot of places, uh, and almost all chargers have have CCS. So um, it is clearly the way it's going. Plus, you do have the advantage of having one, essentially one charge port, whereas with Chatamo you you have two. Yes, absolutely, and the same with my uh, my Soul as well. You've got the, um, in my case, the Type 1 and the Chadamo. In the case of the um, the Leaf, I think you had the Type 2 and the Chadamo as well, didn't you? Uh, well, the Leaf Gen 1 had Type 1 and Chadamo. Uh, the Leaf Gen 2 has Type 2. Right. Cool. Uh, well, uh, interestingly, the Nissan Aya, uh, or whatever it's called, uh, is going to be CCS. In Europe, but are they not using that? Are they not putting it as Chadamo in um in Japan, I yeah, I would expect they probably are. I don't, I don't know. I've not seen, uh, but certainly in in Europe, it's going to be CCS. Yeah, it's definitely the uh, the standard that's going to sort of prevail over this side of the uh, the world, I believe, rightly or wrongly. As you say, it, it is very much the VHS versus Bdmax. And when we first had this discussion on uh, on the podcast, or following the podcast with uh, Dr. McTurk, then that was definitely what came up in a number of the comments um, about that. You know, it's it may not be the best standard, but it's the one that we're probably going to end up being uh, being stuck with. Uh, oh, well, it is what it is. It would be nice if it, it, yeah. if it supported vehicle to grid, it would be better as well, although I do believe that's on its way. Yes. Yes. It's... Um, I mean, the whole area of vehicle to grid, you know, at the end of the day, you should be able to do vehicle to grid through uh, AC, shouldn't you? It shouldn't be something that you have to go out and buy 
a brand new unit like you have to for the uh, the Chadamo version. You've got to get the box that, that goes in the house. So, uh, although I do believe that there's a company in uh, is it Utrecht in in Holland that are doing uh, vehicles to grid through the uh, Zoe uh, Type Two connector. Yes, uh, I think Nick Ramo could confirm that one way or the other. But um, absolutely, I had heard that the the Zoe was in in trials for a vehicle to grid system through through AC. So that in itself is very very exciting. I, I just love the idea of being able to charge up my car either through the solar panels or through cheap electricity at night, and then chop and then power the house from the car in the evening when when prices are expensive. That just makes so much sense. It does. It does. And I think whichever company comes out with a commercially viable uh, type two vehicle to grid uh, protocol or system, you know, it will it'll corner the market and it will be something of a game changer. So hmm. uh, let's just wrap up the conversation about the MG by asking you the same question that I asked uh, Andrew Till last week on or a couple of weeks ago on the um on the e-nero which is has the vehicle lived up to your expectation ah expectations now i came into mg ownership with moderately low expectations uh partly because of its price point uh partly because it was a it was a, a known quantity as being a a cheap car I wasn't expecting great things, but I've been very, very pleasantly surprised. It it is far better built than it deserves to be for the price. Um, and doing a direct comparison actually between the E Nero and the MG, there are there are obviously some technical advan- advantages that the Nero has over, over the MG from a software point of view. Uh, but just talking about fit and finish and comfort inside the cabin, I think the MG is absolutely on par with the Enero for comfort and build quality. The difference in price between the MG and the Enero is greater, I think, than the price differential in the battery capacity. So you do get more value for money with the MG than you do with the, the Enera. And I love the Enera. I think it's a great car. It, it is it is it is a little bit faster than the MG. It's more efficient than the MG. Uh, it has a bigger battery than the MG and it does have better software than the MG. Yeah. But when you look at the price differential, that's a big price differential for not an enormous amount of benefit. So I think as, a, as an overall package, the MG would be my choice. Is there anything that you would have done differently in terms of Ooh. the MG? I might not have gone for a black one. Difficult uh, to keep clean, aren't they? <laughs> yes. Uh, my brother-in-law has just bought a white one, actually, um, uh, obviously, James Coates uh, has a white one. Uh, he loves white cars. And I think it does look very, very nice and white. Uh, the red is very nice as well. I've never been a massive fan of the Pimlico blue. 
but there's a lot of people who really like that as well. Uh, yeah. Black, when it's clean, looks absolutely phenomenally good, but it doesn't stay clean for long. Oh, tell me about it. I did have a, a black car for about three or four years, um, and yes, exactly the uh, the same issue. You know, they look the moment you wash them, polish them, take them out on the road, they look great. Ten minutes later, it's kind of oh, no, not quite as good anymore. <laughs> Uh, right, that is all. I, I, that's all the questions I've got. Is there anything else you want to say before I uh, stop the recording? Uh, no, not really. Other than uh, thank you very much for uh, letting me take this time, and thank you very much for your uh, time. I very much appreciate the input. Thanks a lot.